skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pro's covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair. So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like retroactive jealousy and why we can't be afraid to talk about our pasts. How to break up, which is like something we've never actually talked about on the show. And, or done, really. <laughs> yeah. And why our unhealthy exes may feel like our holy grails. But before mm. we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners, relationship right. advice givers. We just decided to do this. We didn't we didn't have to take a single class or like Mm-mm. sign a single form. I mean, we did have no to sign test. a form to like make a company, but that was it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. We don't know what we're talking about. We're not trained in this. We are not professionals. So please take our advice as you see fit in your own life. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs, but just like barely that, like (laughs) barely musings and barely laughing Mm -hmm. to hopefully shed some understanding um, and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right. Welcome to this episode, Samuel. This week's I love it when you (laughs) invite me to my own podcast. (laughs) It's my ego. (laughs) 
Just kidding. I don't know why I say it. Um, so this week's check-in topic, um, we are going to review some dating trends in 2022 that dating sites like Bumble and Plenty of Fish like have put together based off of like their dating data. We've done this in the past. Literally, I Googled dating trends 2022 or whatever year it's in. Mm -hmm. And all of the dating apps sort of like make dating predictions or note dating trends based on what they're seeing in our in our data. Basically. Right. <laughs> all right. So in 2022, um, the majority, 59% of people on Bumble say that they are now more upfront with their partners about what they want. And they are calling this fast forwarding which was observed after daters on the app drastically changed what they were looking for in a partner with around a third of them altering their priorities. A 61% of people on, let's see, Bumble globally say they no now prioritize emotional availability mm. while almost a quarter, 23% say they care less about physical appearance. So fast, fast forwarding, I guess it's just being like, this is, let's get to the good stuff, as I say about like, I uh -huh. don't know, feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. it. I feel like that, that I'm glad that, that that's happening. I feel like it's not fast forwarding. I feel like it's just like finding like a healthier way to engage in dating yes. apps, which are themselves yes. like very toxic. And I'm glad that folks are focusing less on appearance and being much more upfront about mm -hmm. what they want. Um, cause it's a hellscape <laughs> on those oh. apps. So totally. Um, I think this one is interesting too. Um, on top of placing more importance on their emotional needs, singletons, <laughs> which is a, hmm. singletons have also, I know like Bridgerton, you know, yeah. <laughs> fancy parties. Uh -huh. um, singletons have spent more time questioning what their quote type is with nearly half of those on the app saying so as people dive deeper into their search for love, 43% of people on Bumble say they would describe their approach to seeing people as exploratory. Hmm. I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't think I ever dated consciously in an exploratory way, but I know I sure as shit have said on the podcast, like, see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. Uh, or like, you know, we date people to to learn how to date people. Yep. Sort of and thing. I think it's good that people are questioning what their type is because I, you know, we talk a lot about on the show about mm -hmm. how like attraction and type are limiting and often like based in things that are not super helpful mm -hmm. or nutritious for us as people or as a society. So I right. like the idea that folks are sort of examining their own attraction and saying like, where did this come from? Is this, is this serving me? Like, who am I missing out on right. by only being focused on this type of person with this type of look or this type of job or whatever it is? I would be fascinated to read any literature or data on queer dating, particularly bisexual dating, particularly bisexual dating um, with people who have traditionally dated in heterosexual realms, you know, mm -hmm. like I feel like the conversation in the queer community has really started to show some accountability to being less biphobic and mm -hmm. less stringent about the idea that like you can be, you have to be one or the other. And I'd also, I'd love to hear, I'd, I'd be curious to see about like bisexual um, 
people who identify as men and bisexual being um, more upfront about that. I feel like that's probably one of the more stigmatized um, Mm -hmm. identities in the queer world by other queer folk and straight folks, you know, like um, I know that we've had letters before about people being, Oh no, wait, that was just an episode of, Sex and the City. We're Carrie. Yeah, there it is. Yep. <laughs> Carrie didn't want to date a bi boy. Um, <laughs> anyway, I just I'm interested to see how the data backs up any openness that I see within our community and um, within the dating realms. Like I, I hope that people feel more comfortable being exploratory or being more publicly. Um, publicly identifying as bisexual and or and or whatever you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the app also seems to sh- show a shift in the number of people who are choosing to stay quote consciously single is the is the label they're they're using consciously sure. single especially during the pandemic they said that 53 percent of people on the app say that they realize it's actually okay to be alone for a while whether that was forced out of you know quarantine or restrictions or just really recognizing you know that forced I had a period of forced solitude in my life in which I realized that I was an introvert parading as an extrovert you know (laughs) that like my codependent behavior wasn't actually true to what my like soul needed for nourishment so it was that forced isolation was really good for me in exploring my own comforts and needs when it come, came to solitude. Sure. And although the pandemic was like collectively traumatizing and deeply, um, deeply isolating, um, I do wonder if other people relate to that idea that they, they kind of learned about something about themselves that they appreciate about solitude and, for sure. and independence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why, I look back so fondly on that time when I was single and lived alone because mm-hmm. I didn't think that I could do it. And then when I did it, I was like, oh, this is not so bad. <laughs> and now yes. I can be like, now I can be intentional about who I want to date because I don't have to live in fear of the idea of like being alone forever because being alone forever wow. sounds okay to me because I've done it mm. and it mm-hmm. parts of it were really great. Wow. So two other things from this article that I think are interesting. Um, In 2021, there was a study published showing that alcohol consumption fell overall um, as compared to the previous year. Um, And it is reflected in our dating habits based off of Bumble's data. They found that 34%, which is actually still quite a small percentage anyway um they found that 30 that more people 34 percent would now consider going on what they call a dry date where no alcohol is consumed and i think this is really interesting on multiple levels i i think i'm surprised that that is such a small yeah 34 percent feels like very a very small number <laughs> yeah like i feel bad for uh, the sober folks out there or yeah. the people who are in recovery um and also i have to be realistic that like I don't think I went on dry dates when I was dating because of the social, like the culture and the assumption and the the social lubricant that comes with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, I, I wish I did do more sober dates because yeah. not, um, 
not in a totally like out of control way, but like I was already so disconnected. I had such a disconnect between like my body and my mind Mm -hmm. when I was in my twenties, I still struggle with that. And, you know, add a glass of alcohol with somebody that you're just meeting that you feel like you need to be really nice and polite to, even if you're not really feeling them. Like it's sort of like, I don't mean this in such a heavy way to use this phrase, but it clouds your judgment or like you get like you're still, you know, you're feeling more silly and you're having um, fun because you have a drink in you, not because you actually like genuinely like someone. And I think I, I think I wish I explored dry dating when I was younger. Mm. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, for sure. Um, I went on some dry dates when I was dating and they were also very fun. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, I think I totally understand why people would want that social lubricant, but I think you're absolutely right. And I also like, now that I am old and my body processes alcohol differently, (laughs) (laughs) I I think I would be very refreshed by the idea of doing something that is not getting drinks and was instead like, let's go to a movie or something. (laughs) Yes, me too. I, I, I wish... I wish I had that when I was younger or like, I wish I felt like I could request it in a more empowered way. Um, And I also, I I mean, what I said before, like, I think that, and I'm sure the, I'm sure folks out there who are, who struggle with um, substances or who are just consciously sober and not interested in drinking or, or don't, don't consume alcohol for health reasons or whatever. I, I'm, I can only imagine that our drinking culture as it is paired with, dating can be really isolating and um, really full of like sort of societal pressures and the idea of like normal when um, it is just mild poison (laughs) that we like constantly (laughs) consume. (laughs) Mild poison is a phrase from that, you know, Nathan Pyle comic um, of the alien strange planet. Oh, yeah. I can't can't take credit for that joke, but... um, it's true. Like it is just mild poison uh-huh. <laughs> that we yep. just like, we're like, yeah, no, this is cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyway, so the last thing that the article brings up that I have mixed feelings about and like would love to see the data, it says the dating platform also predicts that, quote, power PDA is back in a big way now that vaccination rates are higher. And they write, it's not just celebrities like, yeah, I don't know. It's not just celebrities like Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker who are getting on the trend. And then they said, which is like a weird celebrity shout out. They say (laughs) nearly 70% of daters around the world say that they are now more open to public displays of affection post pandemic, their words. Sure. But concerns that another lockdown lockdown might be on the way are causing some daters to consider whether they want to invest their time and feelings into another person right now. Um, weird, right? Power PDA. I don't know what that is. Me neither. If well, using Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker as an example, I imagine it's just like sucking face <laughs> in, and I, I mean this with no disrespect, but sucking face in a way that is like arguably described as sucking face <laughs> yes. in public. Um, in, PureWow.com says that power I PDA wait. <laughs> is defined as an unapologetic display of affection from kissing to ass grabbing and places very little importance on who's around to see it or if anyone mm-hmm. may be uncomfortable by it. This feels mm-hmm, like a straight mm-hmm. thing for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, and connecting to the thing I just read about like not uh, being afraid of another lockdown, plenty of fish has coined the phrase hesitating. Um, feeling indifferent about dating or not unsure if you want to date seriously or casually because life in general feels so uncertain right yeah, now. Yeah, that's fun. We're all experiencing Relatable. a collective trauma. I'm has a living. Same, same. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. So this is all from an independent article. Obviously, we care a ton about our sources and definitely fact check them. And mm-hmm. yep. what yep. was the website like? That you just looked up? Purewow.com. <laughs> Listen, sounds dependable to me. <laughs> it sounds like a whole lot of fun, honestly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that is just some information that the Independent collected from data from Plenty of Fish and Bumble. And I think it's interesting. Uh, okay, let's get into this week's letters. The first one is from Panicked and Overwhelmed. <laughs> Oh my God, Just both. fatal combination. <laughs> <laughs> Whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from retroactive jealousy town. Hi, Stanley Sierra. I'm a 23-year-old woman, she, her, and my boyfriend is 26 years old, he, him. We've been together for a year blissfully, and he's such a loving, supportive partner. In the past, I was in multiple abusive relationships that left me with a serious, anxious attachment style. I'm in therapy and currently working on my relationship patterns. My partner is aware of my attachment style and is extremely reassuring and kind to me. I have never felt love like this before. So what's the catch, you might ask? Although I suffer from severe anxiety, my partner suffers with extreme retroactive jealousy. With my anxiety, I find myself sometimes getting jealous of my partner's past, but it's nothing that I fixate on for too long. My partner, on the other hand, is very triggered by knowing anything about my past, even if it has nothing to do with relationships. He's an open book with his experiences. He has never wanted to know anything about mine. When I've asked him why he doesn't want to know, he admitted to me that he suffers from retroactive jealousy. I had never heard the term before, so I asked my therapist about it, and she filled me in. His jealousy is so severe that he has told me that if he knows about certain things, it will make him feel physically sick. His stance is, the less I know, the better. I've accepted this for a long time and was very aware of his feelings until this jealousy started to turn into more. I would notice that he would get upset or quiet if I talked about a concert I went to six years ago, for example. He also went cold on me when I talked about my first time drinking alcohol. He says that knowing these things about me makes him feel very uncomfortable. Yet he has told me many stories about his past experiences and we have laughed about it and I never thought about it again. I try to be as empathetic as I can towards the issue because I know it is very triggering for him. But what am I supposed to do? Pretend that I didn't have a life until I met him? Like I mentioned, he is very aware of this issue and understands it is not my fault. I am not sure how to go about this problem. At the end of the day, it does make me feel bad about myself sometimes. He has mentioned that it makes him feel very insecure that he has intrusive thoughts like this. I do love my partner so much. And other than this, our relationship is very healthy. Thank you for taking the time to read this, and I appreciate all that both of you do. Sincerely, Panicked and Overwhelmed. Uh, All right, Panicked and Overwhelmed. Um, Thank you for writing to us and for sharing this experience with us. Um, I'm sorry that you are feeling like you need to walk on eggshells around this person to not talk about things that are going to trigger him. Um, 
And I have a lot of empathy for your partner too, that um, obviously this is something that really is distressing for him. Um, and, you know, I don't think that he's actively choosing to feel this way about your past. Um, but I know that it's really creating uh, a really difficult and tricky situation for both of you to be in that he's having these really intense experiences and feelings around um, things that are pretty innocuous, right? Things that mm -hmm. are that are not necessarily um, something to have big feelings about. Yeah. If anyone is new to this term, um, retroactive jealousy is when you feel resentful or frustrated about your partner's romantic history or... When it gets particularly bad, it's it's any sort of history because it's, um, I don't know, uh, it triggers this idea of insecurity or threat or or threatens the present that this that your partner existed before, um, perhaps had sex before, had relationships, had feelings before. Um, and it, it often goes hand in hand with like relationship OCD or um, really ruminating thoughts. Um, and like, I, I appreciated you sharing that your boyfriend gets like physically ill because, um, I think that highlights sometimes the intensity and the correlation between our emotions and our physical manifestations. Yep. Um, and I feel, I feel for both of you, um, because I, I know what it's like to feel threatened by something that literally cannot touch you. I know what it's like. How about this? <laughs> yeah. I know, I know what it's like to, to really have such a unstable sense of self or, or st to struggle with insecurity so much so that you assume that the presence of a history, feelings, past sexual behavior, or anything like that, could could somehow speak poorly to you now. Like, I think the way, whenever I have struggled with retroactive jealousy, the way I can describe it would be like, I'm afraid that if you felt so good and happy in your past relationship, um, I will never be able to live up to that. And it will be, it will be a reason why you see why I'm not good enough for you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yep. at the at at the core of it is it's this idea of like I am not enough, and it's hard for me to think about when, you know, times in which you were happy without me because I'm <laughs> yeah. afraid that I'll never make you that happy or something like oh. that, right? <clears throat> I know it's fucked that up. That breaks my heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's and it's also I'm also an adult, <laughs> and um, everybody has a history, and I want to say to the letter writer, I also this also resonates with me or I feel compassionate to both of you because I also know what it's like to be held hostage by the past, by mm. the idea, by choices that you made in the history and to feel like you are somehow like retroactively hurting your partner by living your life. And, um, by having a past, by having a history, like right. none of us are clean slates. You are not doing anything wrong by talking about a concert. Yep. You are not doing anything wrong by talking about the first time you had a by by the first time you had a drink by telling stories of your life. Like you are, this might be hurting him or making him uncomfortable, but you 
are not making him uncomfortable. Like, like yeah. you are not hurting him actively. It is the way he is processing this information that hurts him. Yeah. And I know that's really hard and conflated. Um, but I really think it's important to work on not internalizing this retroactive jealousy because, because I think it can get really tricky. I think it can get really toxic and abusive and I have all of the compassion in the world for your boyfriend. And also this behavior is not sustainable and it can get to a really ugly place Mm -hmm. if he doesn't start working on why this is so triggering to him, how it, how it feels in his body. Like, yep. You know, I think it's one of those, those things where you, where we are, moving through the world in a way where shit's gonna trigger us, right? And yeah. and the expectation isn't that we should be able to move through the world without anything triggering us. The expectation of ourselves should be, how am I reacting and responding when I am triggered by this thing? And so, so the idea that like he's deeply uncomfortable, I have deep empathy for. Like I totally understand that that's that is sort of how he's experiencing it, and that it makes him like even physically ill. And he's never going to date somebody who doesn't have a past. Um, right. And like Sierra said, it's not wrong for you to talk about going to that concert or the first time that you were drinking. It's also not wrong for you to talk about your relationships because they yep. are part of you, right? They are they are the things that led you to this moment to be in this relationship at this moment with this person. And so if he's not able to see all of that, right. And, and understand all of that and to be able to hear all of that, then he's not fully in relationship with you. Right. Because there's a whole, however, you know, 22 years that he's saying, I don't want to know anything about, which is like (laughs) 22 out of 23% of your life. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like a huge chunk of your life. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And, I don't want to get too hard on him because like you haven't talked about how he responds and whether or not he responds in a way that's like harmful to you, you know, like sounds like he gets quiet. Uh, Sounds like he's like having some, yeah, which is fine. No, no, I know. I know. I can just like, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. I don't know what that silence looks like, but I also know when silence is weaponized. That's all. For sure. But it's also not your job to make him comfortable all the time. Right. And if your expectation is that he's comfortable all the time, that is also an unreasonable expectation of him. Right. So like the idea that, oh, he got quiet and now it's my job to fix it is also something that we need to be talking about and working on. Because if he's if his response is I'm having a reaction to this. And so what I'm going to do is get quiet. That's not necessarily a problem, right? If he's not talking to you for a long time or if he's like being huffy or whatever, like we can talk about that. But if he is coping with that trigger by doing things that are healthy for him in that moment to say, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to say, stop talking about that. I'm going to do the internal work to say, to do the internal soothing that I need to. And that means it looks like I get cold for a second or for Mm -hmm. a few minutes. Cool. Right. Like it's not your job to fix him in that way. Like you can talk about your past and he can have the reaction to it and you can find a way to recognize that like he's probably always going to have this triggered response and it's not your job to prevent that trigger. It's his job to figure out how he wants to respond to it. So absolutely. I think Sierra is absolutely right that like silence is weaponized. And if he's like not speaking to you for a long period of time, like you. Cool. You, like that's... you explained that perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Because you're right. 
you're right totally that you can you can have an imperfect reaction and be working through your shit yeah or like you can have a re- you can have a messier or a colder or a whatever reaction and then as long as you're repairing as long as you're bringing it back yep you're you were absolutely right to paint that picture um because that's how i respond when i am triggered to things right like if peter does something and i have like an initial reaction of like irrational anger or whatever like the thing that i do is i like i just like stop and i'm like what's coming up in me i know that this feeling isn't the feeling that i want to have so what do i need to do and it looks like me just staring at him for like 15 seconds because i'm like literally like processing myself doing it (laughs) and then being like Mm -hmm. okay here's what's coming up for me right and again like Part of what being in relationship looks like is sometimes we have to be okay with the fact that like the stuff that we're going to do is going to like and bring a reaction in our partner yep. that isn't just love and comfort, right? Sometimes it's going to mm-hmm. be like, and if, which is all to say, I want you to talk about your past. I want you to tell yep. your partner that it's not an option for you not to talk about your past. Correct. And to say, so when this reaction comes up in you, What's the best way for us to handle it, (laughs) right? Like, what do we need in those moments? Because I can't not talk about the things that I've done, the people that I've dated. It is part of who I am, and it's part of this relationship, whether or not we want it to be. And what are we going to do? What's going to be most helpful when you're having these these reactions or when you're triggered by this? Because I'm I can't censor myself, and it's also not my job to make you not feel this way. about what I'm saying. <laughs> Absolutely. I th- I would echo that and say both of you have homework that is meant to do mm-hmm. meant to be done by yourselves and then you eventually to come together for the group project <laughs> which is the health and sustainability of your relationship. Right. The solo homework for you is to Talk in therapy about how it is okay for you to have a past. It is okay Mm -hmm. for you to talk about your past. And even when you know it's going to trigger him, leaning into that awareness and saying it is the right thing for me to do to share this right now, right? Like, and I'm not talking like baby steps, obviously, but like it is not on you to erase your history. It is on him to accept the fact you have a history. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago about like, um, retro- I think it was like vaguely about retro- retroactive jealousy. Just like if you can't accept your partner's past behavior, like that he, oh, the letter was like about, um, my boyfriend slept with like a billion more people than I did. (laughs) (laughs) And I slept with a lot of people. It was very charming, you know? Yep. And she's like, I know that this shouldn't make me insecure. I know that I should be fine with it, but I feel these feelings coming up, you know? And we basically like affirmed her that like, it sounds like you're just working through this normal jealousy, but mm-hmm. we did say the general statement, which is like, if you find yourself unable to accept your partner's past, then maybe you shouldn't be with that person mm. because their past is inherently a part of them. Yep. So you need to, you need to forgive it, accept it and let it go or be dragged down by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, as you can tell, our dear letter writer, like censoring your past 
doesn't solve the core issue. Right. Censoring yourself, you know, like not talking about your past relationships hasn't stopped him from having retroactive jealousy. Mm-hmm. Not talking about your past relationships hasn't stopped him from being triggered by the fact that you existed before he walked into your life. Yep. Um, and so the homework for your boyfriend is, listen, your girlfriend's in therapy working on her shit. It's 2022. <laughs> Everybody goes to therapy if they can, you yeah, know? Absolutely. Um, this is, I, I mean this jokingly and so genuinely, if you have the resources and the opportunity, I would heavily encourage your boyfriend to go to therapy because this is a perfect thing to work through with your, prof- with a trained professional, yep. because here's the thing, his reaction right now is he's saying, I've got this issue. I've got this retroactive jealousy and it makes me physically sick. It, it hurts my life. It hurts my, my brain patterns, my thought patterns. And I'm look. I'm turning to you, partner, and saying, "I need you to put a bandaid on this um, mm. by not talking about it." Right? There are just some things that you shouldn't process with your loved ones. You shouldn't put it on them. You should put it on a trained professional yep. who is a neutral, safe, professionally trained, you know, ground. And guess what? Those conversations with a therapist might look like. I fucking hate the fact that she has an ex. I hate, I feel physically sick when I think about the fact that she's had sex with other people. I hate think, you know, like that conversation with the therapist, he will be able to unload it all and process it all and figure out why, why this is so physically and emotionally challenging for him without putting that emotional and physical labor on you, the person who literally cannot undo their past. Yep. I can't stress this enough that this is, you can be there for your partner. You can support your partner. You can figure out the changes and, um, you know, healthy pathways for you two within your relationship to support one another through this, but you cannot be what solves his retroactive jealousy. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I want to say that like toxic and unhealthy behavior can look like kindness right it can look like passivity it can look like this thing like even the idea of like he's not yelling at me he's just saying that i don't want to know about it right like that is still that can still be really Mm -hmm. toxically played out so i as you're doing this right i want you to remind yourself that it's not your job to fix it and i want you to be on the lookout because if this pattern continues i don't see a way for it to be anything but unhealthy for you too right like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, i don't mm-hmm. see it being anything but a red flag this idea that he doesn't want to know anything about your past because again like sierra said there's no way to get out of that situation because guess right. what you have a past whether or not he wants to hear about it right and you're gonna have to talk about it whether or not he wants to so right i do think that there that it's possible for you to to do work to figure out how to be in relationship with each other and if he's not doing the work to figure out how he's going to be able to cope with the fact that you have this past then i don't see any way for this relationship to continue without it turning into something that's going to be toxic and not good for you because you can't yes. you can't censor yourself for the rest of your life it is impossible and it's not fair to you and and I can tell by your anxiety, your anxious attachment yeah. style that you're t- you're taking this all on and saying it's my job to fix this. I will just be quiet. I won't talk about it. And that's exactly the opposite of what I want you to do, even though I know that that is probably your first impulse. 
because I don't want you to be in this place where your little anxious brain is allowing this behavior to continue just so that you can stay in relationship with this person who seems like a really great guy and also is doing some stuff that's doing some behavior that that reads is pretty toxic to me and that can only get more toxic as yes. time goes on. And, and if we haven't said it enough already, I totally have compassion and empathy for your boyfriend. For sure. And I absolutely believe that what he is physically experiencing and emotionally experiencing is real and is deeply challenging to him. Yep. And it's relatable to me. And also, I have insider knowledge that this sort of like obsessive retroactive jealousy, um, this require this request of you, it doesn't go away just with time. Like, okay, so say right. you date for the next ten years, that still means he has this period of your life that you can't talk about or that you, you know, like it doesn't erase that like time spent doesn't erase that sort of obsessive, intrusive thoughts, those thoughts. And also from lived experience, I've noticed that they often become more heightened. The yep. thoughts become more obsessive. They become more cyclical. Um, and Again, we are not professionals. We are not trained in this. This is why you should both be talking to mental health professionals about this. Um, but it doesn't go away with time spent is all I'll say. For sure. Because it just gets tamped down. It doesn't get it doesn't get brought into the open where right. we can actually make some decisions about it. So right. uh, all this to say panicked and overwhelmed. I'm so sorry you're feeling panicked and overwhelmed. That's a lot of things to be feeling. At the same time. <laughs> At the same time. Yeah, for sure. Um, we know that this is a really tricky situation and it's really easy for us to sit here and make some sort of authoritative statements about what you should and shouldn't be doing. But we know that it's really hard when you're actually in it. So our hope is that some of this advice finds you in a way that is helpful. Um, and we hope that you're doing what you need to do to take care of yourself in this in this really tricky situation so thank you for Absolutely. sharing with us we hope that this helps that was perfectly said sam we love you we hope that this helps all right y'all know that sam and i record every single episode of just breakup virtually so i literally see this beautiful person on zoom like multiple times a week and every time sam pops up into zoom i comment on their outfit and I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because <laughs> love it. <laughs> honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. 
Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Lufa McSteamy, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from a nice hot shower. I'm a 30-year-old woman, and I've been dating my hella rad boyfriend, also 30, for almost three years. I love him so much, and he's such a fun guy to hang out with, go on adventures with, and, if I may be so bold, a very generous lover. (laughs) We don't live together, but it's something I've brought up a few times in the past year. I've never actually lived with a partner, and I'm honestly curious and excited to see what it's like. He's a bit more reluctant. Logistically, it doesn't really make sense at this time. He lives and works downtown in our city, and I'd honestly love to live downtown as well, but I work from home and own a house way out in the burbs. He loves the downtown lifestyle too much to give it up, and I'm tied to the place I'm in now, so it's a bit of an impasse. He says that, quote, when the stars align, or if he ever gets a job where he can work remotely, he'll think about it, but he's not actively looking for said job. I understand that he's more of a live-in-the-moment kind of guy, which is totally awesome most of the time, but this isn't exactly a decision that will just happen on its own. I'm too mm-hmm. much of a planner to just leave something like this up to fate. Aside from the living together issue, recently we've been to some weddings, and when I asked him if marriage is something that he's interested in down the road, he said that he doesn't see the point and that common law relationships are basically the same thing, but with the option to leave if things don't go as you'd hoped. His parents and grandparents are divorced, and he's seen the legal nightmare that comes with that, so I can understand his reluctance to go through that himself. Mm -hmm. But I've always wanted to get married. The thought of having a life with a partner is really appealing, and I think it's an important step to take to really show your partner that you're dedicated and will choose to love them every damn day. 
My parents, grandparents, and aunt and uncle are still together. I've seen that marriage isn't easy and it requires work every day, but that's what I want. I don't think I'm going to be able to convince him to change his mind, but I don't think I'd want to anyway. I have no desire to marry someone who's reluctantly being pulled Mm. down the aisle or is doing it as a favor for me. I want a partner who is over the moon giddy at the thought of calling me his wife. So here's my question. When faced with the fundamental difference where our futures are headed, how do you know when to end things? What we have now is amazing and I love dating him, but dating is all we're doing and eventually I know I'm going to want more. When's a good time to rip off the Band-Aid? It's like deciding to get out of the shower on a cold winter's day. You know you need to get out eventually, but staying in feels so good. Aw. Love that metaphor. Me too. More importantly, how do you end things? I've been trying to find the words I'll need, but everything just sounds so lame. We don't fight and there's nothing problematic that would trigger a breakup. So I know I'll just need to sit him down one day day and say, hey, listen, we're finito. The thought of doing that is obviously terrifying because I know I'm going to start crying before I get two sentences out. (laughs) Any advice for breaking up in the gentlest, kindest way possible while still holding on to some of my dignity? Thank you for doing what you do. Love, Lufa. Oh, Lufa, you adorable little creature, you. Um, Yeah, absolutely. This is such a great question. Thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with it. Uh, you sound very um, self-assured and and articulate and like whether you feel that way or not, you know, I, I'm so I'm always so drawn to and impressed by folks who say like, say such a powerful statement, like, I don't really want to marry somebody who doesn't want to marry me. You mm-hmm. know, I don't want to like convince somebody to want something when it's something that I want. Like, I just, I'm so, I'm already impressed by you and just wanted to start the, our response out with that, that that is like such a great instinct within yourself. Um, and I also want to say like crying while talking about something vulnerable isn't losing your dignity. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, cr- you know, crying while talking about something vulnerable is like incredibly brave, Mm. the same sort of bravity, bravity, the same sort of (laughs) braveness that is required for saying like braveness, bravery, (laughs) bravery, Uh, babe, bravery, (laughs) bravery, babe. Oh, fuck. Braveness, brave, brave, braverity. I like it. Yeah. um, (laughs) Same sort of brave, Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Here we go. Same sort of bravery mm, required mm, uh, required for saying, I think it feels like we want different things and I'm okay with that, that being okay with that discomfort. So listen, dignity, pff, thing of a past, thing of the past. The new thing <laughs> is like vulnerability and discomfort. Sure, sure. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, uh, how to break up in the kindest, most gentlest way. Um, I have no idea. I've never really fucking done that, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I'm really excited to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I did it once and it was fine. (laughs) Give me, give me some, give me some deets. How to go. Um, I mean, we hadn't been dating for three years, which is its own thing, right? We'd been dating Mm -hmm. for at that point, like six or nine months or something. Um, 
and basically just had a, a conversation with the person about what I was feeling and, you know, tried to sort of hold boundaries around like, this isn't going to change. Um, luckily, he also wanted to break up with me. So like, that was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just sort of part of it is being self-assured, which it sounds like you are, right? Like part of it, what I'm so impressed with and what I think is going to make this situation, if not easier, at least hopefully something that's going to um, be more constructive, I guess, mm-hmm. is that you you are really confident about what you know and, and want. And, and I think going into the conversation with that confidence of saying, these are the things that are the issue here, right? You don't want to live together. You don't want to get married. And I know that those are things that are important to me and I don't Mm want to convince you or try and like trick you into doing those things. So I think it's time to end things. Um, right. And, and sort of holding to that because I think where we, where we kind of get into weird stuff when we're breaking up with someone is when we're feeling like we need to like justify, explain slash like we're feeling our own self-consciousness about our decisions for doing it. And then we're like looking to the other person to like assuage those fears or guilt or whatever it is. But I think that, that you being really honest about and, and super sort of like self-aware in this situation to know that this isn't, this doesn't have anything necessarily to even do with him as a person, right? It just has something to do with the incompatibility, this core incompatibility that you have and talking about it in that way, I think will be helpful. And, you know, I think sometimes also in breakups, we tell ourselves like we can't be sentimental. We can't like talk about how good things were, but I think you can also do that, right? Like, I think that you can do that in a way of saying, I really enjoyed our time together. I think you're a really amazing person. I really uh, am so happy that we got to be together for this period of time. And I also know that this just isn't the relationship for me because I'm looking right. for these things. Right. And and also, like, you can cry during it. Like, I don't think there's a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to uh, say something that's, like, a little different. But what Sam said was was the most right. <laughs> so listen to his advice first and then listen to me. Um, you know, the way I would imagine approaching this conversation, particularly with a partner that I've been with for three years, a partner that I like so far, other than these two long-term things, I'm, I'm like pretty much vibing with really well. Um, I, you don't have to go into this totally steeled for breakup. I wonder if you could go into this, more as a collaborative conversation that could end with deciding to separate because your visions for your future are still after this vulnerable conversation misaligned. So the way I would imagine going into it is saying like, Hey, I want to have a conversation about our relationship. And just like Sam said, say, I've loved our time together. I think you're awesome. You're a very generous lover. (laughs) And, um, which I love for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and say, but I've also noticed, um, there are two things that feel sort of like misaligned for our future. And I want to, I want to talk to them. I talk about them. I want to have a curious and open and kind conversation 
that is most importantly honest, even if it's uncomfortable, about marriage and living together. And I say this because, and Sam might disagree, and he's probably right, um, but I say this because if the relationship is as good as you have described it, if it is going so well, your boyfriend might just stylistically be a different type of decision maker, and he might not fully understand that these are deal breakers for you. Mm -hmm. And you might want to, you know, give him the opportunity to say like, oh, I didn't realize that living together in the very near future is one of your number one goals. Like we, we just, we do a lot of assumptions in relationships and assuming that people understand because we talked about moving in together once that they know that this is like on our mind, you know, for sure. Um, That being said, I would, you know, harken back to my first comment, which is your intuition, your clarity, your inner clarity about like not wanting to convince somebody to marry you or convince somebody to have a long lasting partnership with you. Lean on that first and foremost, but also give your partner an opportunity to say explicitly to you, marriage is not in the cards for me ever, Mm -hmm. or I'm not interested in that, or I can see how you, you know, like, And the tricky and vulnerable thing about this is that we have to trust one another, that despite the discomfort of the conversation, despite the discomfort of saying to somebody you love, I don't want to marry you, we have to like trust, we have to trust that the other person is telling us the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, Same, the same scenario is if he says, wow, I didn't know this was so important to you, will you give me an opportunity to decide or like I can see us getting married you know mm-hmm. do you believe him then like is that is that you dragging him down the aisle or is that him learning your boundaries and your relationship vision and adjusting to that vision appropriately right. which yeah. is totally possible but it's kind of hard that's why I said like rely on your inner clarity first and then give him an opportunity to tell you something differently for sure I guess Absolutely. And as somebody who, uh, when we started dating, told Peter that I was never going to get married, and then <laughs> we got married. <laughs> like I, and you proposed. Absolutely. And I did it. I did it because I wanted to get married to Peter and also because I knew that Peter wanted to get married. Aww, <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you know, like, and I was able to shift and change my own feelings about marriage to sort of meet what Peter wanted and like things are going great, right? Like this is, this is working well for both of us. So there is that possibility out there. And I also totally understand if you're like, that's not, that's not what I want. I want somebody who wants to like get into it, like wants to propose like all of that. that Yeah. And we don't know the, the details of his marital aversion Yes, absolutely, um, or how it feels to talk to him about it. But I do think that you can go into this, You can go into this conversation knowing that it is an open, curious, compassionate conversation, but that the end goal is either saying, we're going to explore this together a little bit longer towards the track of marriage and moving in together, or we're going to break up. You know, like I still think, I think you should keep the, the clarity and the honesty and the, the vision that you have described so succinctly and powerfully in your letter. 
But I do think you could approach it as a conversation because that that brings in that gentleness, that compassion. You know, I love our relationship. And also, this is what I want. And this doesn't sound like it's something you want. Yep. What do we do with that disparity? Yep. And I think, you know, people always talk about how, like, never offer anyone ultimatums. That's bad. Um, ultimatums are fine. Ultimatums are about establishing boundaries and and what is in mm-hmm. and out of bounds of your relationship. So right. I do think that having this conversation is fine, but I don't want you to confuse gentleness and compassion with giving up the things that are really yes. important to you. Right. And I mm-hmm. don't want you, and I also don't want you to be in a situation where, um, the threat of a breakup causes him to say things that aren't necessarily <laughs> true. You know what I mean? Right. To like push the, yes, push the issue, like kick so the can. Tricky. Yeah. Yes. So like, I do think that I appreciate how self-assured you are in this. And I want you to keep that self-assuredness into this conversation. Um, And I want you to know that like Mm -hmm. this expectation or this request that you have for moving in together, for getting married, aren't unreasonable. You know this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that it seems like this sort of live in the moment attitude sometimes causes him to push big decisions down the pike. And I invite you to say like, this is where the stars are aligning, babe, right? So, like, make your decision now. We got to, yep. right? Like, the stars have aligned in me saying that I <laughs> either need to end this relationship yeah. Yeah, or no, we I need to get, move to the next thing. Um, but I also totally understand if you don't want to be in a situation where you are giving people ultimatums. I think that's such a good, oh, that's so good, Sam. Like, because <laughs> that's what I meant. Like, it's. Where do you find the line between you authentically changing his mind and you dragging him down the aisle, like you mm-hmm. said? Um, so you have to be open to a little bit of both. Um, yeah. But again, like Sam said, rely on that inner clarity. You know this situation way more than we do. For sure. You know this partner way more than we do. Um, that And there is a possibility to approach this lovely partnership and say... It has come to its own lovely end. You know, Mm. we are not meant to be with everybody forever. The choices in a relationship are stay together forever or break up. (laughs) There are no other options, you know, or, or, you know, save death. Um, (laughs) That's the third option, right? Somebody dies. You stay together forever. Oh, no. Somebody will always always die. Yes. There we go. So somebody (laughs) dies or. You break up, so you're not doing anything wrong, ending a good relationship. Sorry. This is about to be compassionate. No, sometimes our relationship is so woo-woo, and then sometimes we're like, the two options in relationships are that, that someone dies or you break up. Like, get used yeah, to it, obviously, friends. Yeah, obviously, sweat a weather. Get it together. Anyway. All right, my darling. We Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to answer this letter. I loved it, and we hope this helps. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you for writing. All right, our final letter comes to us from estranged soulmate, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from dumb bitchville. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I laugh so hard at that because it's like 100% my inner monologue about myself. <laughs> True. And I'm thrilled that I'm the one that gets to read it out loud. So from dumb bitchville, we hear, hi, Sam and Sierra. Thank you so much for being the voice of reason when I need it. You're doing good work. I'll try to keep this as brief, but it spans six years. So maybe not. I was in a long-term relationship with T, she, her, for nearly three years. We lived together and got engaged after two. We loved each other fiercely, but T had always struggled with insecurity. 
I'm a very trusting person, so it used to infuriate me that she didn't trust me in return. I had my own issues, mostly that as the older daughter of a household of domestic violence and low income, I had unhealthy defense mechanisms, which included shutting down emotionally. This was a recipe for disaster because T was 24-7 emotional tsunami that I didn't understand. Our relationship started to get explosive. It came to a head when she went away for the weekend with friends. When she came back, she broke up with me. I moved out, but managed to get her to agree to us taking a break instead. We decided to work towards being better people so we could be together again. It happened that we spent several days a week together and slept together once or twice. Fast forward through all the shit that followed, I later found out that T had cheated on me during the weekend with the very ex who had fucked her up in the first place. I put an end to everything. She tried her hardest to win me back, but I couldn't condone being cheated on. I felt like I had betrayed myself because T had convinced me to ignore my intuition in the name of loving her and that hurt more than being cheated on. But I loved her, and so I told her we could be friendly and civil. She was family. When she realized that she couldn't win me over romantically, she walked out of my life. Being friends with me was too hard. It's been two years since we broke up. She is now engaged and living with another woman. In that time, I've also fallen in and out of love with somebody who was extremely toxic for me. I still miss T and realized that not only had I forgiven her for what had happened, but I had also been an an unhealthy element in our relationship too. Recently, I started to notice that she was watching my stories out of the blue. We don't follow each other. And man, fucking Instagram. Am I right? Stupid. Like social, <laughs> social <Stupid>. media. <laughs> in, the, in, like five, in like 50 years in the future, we're going to get like pings in our brain when somebody thinks about us, you know? Oh my God, please, Just to make no. it that much more painful and confusing. <clears throat> going to go build As a cabin the in the woods. human <laughs> experience was not hard enough. Um... Now we can see who's watching us. It's insane. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, and having heard from mutual friends that she was struggling mentally, I reached out to see if she was okay. This led me to asking her if she would meet up to talk about what had happened. I felt that would benefit us both. The evening went better than I could have ever imagined. We spoke for hours and relaxed into each other's company. I asked her all about her new fiance and job. She seemed very different and was making an active effort towards healing her past wounds. I couldn't help noticing that she was still so beautiful and not just because she had a whole new appearance. We apologized to each other for the pain we had inflicted on one another and cried a little bit and laughed a little bit more. When the night ended, we hugged and promised to keep in touch. What I'm struggling with now, guys, is that I realized I never stopped loving T. I had just determined that a future for us was inconceivable and focused on moving past it all. My number one rule was that I would not allow anyone to disrespect or hurt me. She had done that, which made her public enemy number one at the time, even though I didn't believe she was bad. She was a bad person, just lost. I didn't even tell my family that she had cheated because she I believe she truly had just fucked up. But here I am suddenly unable to get her out of my mind. She also made some comments. She mentioned that sometimes people break up and they go their separate ways and then come back together again down the line. Quote, I'm not saying that's us. She mentioned her fiance is, quote, a lot like me. She mentioned that they're struggling at the moment because T finds herself detaching during arguments. She was never like this. Her emotions were always a constant during arguments. 
She finds herself acting out against her fiance by going all, all night, even though she knows it will cause a fight. Two days after the meetup, I broke down on the phone to my best friend. I realized I'm in love with my ex. I believe she was and still is my soulmate, but I fucked up because now she's with someone else and they're going to get fucking married. I am trying not to evil eye their relationship. The girl honestly seems lovely. I keep trying to tell myself that if it's meant to be, it will be. But I also know that that's not how life works. And if you want something, you have to go out and work for hard for it. I'm also worried that maybe I'm just suddenly aware that I can't be with her and therefore I must. I have a history of finding it impossible to trust my own emotions. I'm trying to apply the methods I learned from my therapist, but it's hard because I've loved another in the time since and even imagined a future with them. I know I love T. I know I miss her. I know I want the best for her. The only problem is I think that's me. I don't plan to insert myself into her new relationship, but I don't know whether to tell tea how I feel what if she's still in love with me and I can tell her and we can work towards being together again what if I don't tell her and always just end up with what ifs we had also said that we could just be friends going forward if the answer here is that I'm not going to do anything at all do I still try to be her friend I am not the kind of person who can pine away in silence I'm more of a go after what I want kind of person. I've done a lot of work over the past two years and have learned to be happy on my own, embrace my feelings and confide in others when I need help. So I know this isn't just me being scared of being alone and wanting her out of scarcity. What the hell do I do? Sorry, this is so long, but thank you for reading. Oh, my darling, strange soulmate. Thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this letter and your tender, tender, confused heart. Full caveat, this is not going to help our podcast or our mission or our advice, but like, we don't know. You could be, you're, you, who knows? We, I just want to start by saying like, could, could this person be thinking about you and be wanting to be with you again? Sure. Could you give it another go? Sure. You absolutely could. But I want to say a, a couple tough love things to you in the meantime. Sure. The things, the comments that you shared, um, some of them were like fine, you know, talking about how people go their separate ways and get back together. That is like a, that is like a fact. I don't think that she was trying to say anything. <laughs> right. right. Um, but all, and also the fact that the fiance is a lot like you, that makes sense. We date in types. We have, we date people who bring yep. out similar, similar things and stuff. But the comments about like detaching in arguments and going out all night just because she knows it will provoke a fight in her partner. That doesn't really sound like a green flag to me. So <laughs> what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do here is say like, you have emotional attachment to this person. You have tons of love for them. You feel like you're the relationship was ended, but it could have had a different path. But I'm just trying to like bring that relationship down off of its pedestal a little bit, including the person that you were with and who now exists in front of you. Yep. Yeah. Has she worked on herself? Is she a different person than when you were together? Absolutely. We all grow and heal through time. And also I'm not interested in you being with somebody who causes fights intentionally to right. emotionally act out. I'm not interested in that for yep. your healing journey and for your for your health and your the sustainability of your of your relationships. That's for not sure. attractive to me. So I just want to like say that really explicitly because I think like Sam said, sometimes our like brains and our love chemicals and especially for me, somebody who is like inherently a romantic and who who has who has a hard time letting things go having a, ha, has a hard time closing those chapters like 
I want to talk explicitly about what you're romanticizing here. You're romanticizing going back to with somebody who you tried for a really long time to love in a healthy way. And you said to us, it was not only unhealthy, it was explosive. You were incompatible yep. and she cheated on you, right? Um, has she made changes from that point on? Yes. But does that mean she is meant for you? Right. No. Right. Guess what? An uncomfortable fact is all of our exes are out there growing and healing and learning and doing better with other people who aren't us. Or not. <laughs> or they're not Sam Blackwell. Oh my God. Uh, I could think of like probably a couple of my exes who are probably not learning and growing and healing, but what's great is that they're not in my life anymore. So they can go but do you that know somewhere what? else. They are in their own way. Like maybe that, maybe that what's shitty is that they, they are learning and growing and healing in their way that no longer served. But no, you're right. You're the sass True. is better than what I was saying. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just want to say really quickly before I pass the ball to you that like, it's not that I don't understand this. My darling, darling letter writer. Yeah. This is a life I have lived. These are feelings that I have felt. This is anxiety that I have explored. Like, oh my God, if I don't act now, am I going to regret this for the rest of my life? Yep. And also I am so committed to you continuing your healing journey without this partner or at yeah. least in this season of your like season of your life without this person um that I'm going to speak so bluntly to you and I hope it's all received with love you know mm -hmm. like this person is engaged not mm -hmm. only not only did they cheat on you not only did you have a explosive relationship is the word you use explosive that's a that's a big word that is a big violent word right mm -hmm. And not only did you not bring your best to the table, they didn't bring, you know, like you, you, I get you were dealing with a lot and now you know better, but is knowing better a reason to go back to what brought those triggers out in the first place? And they're engaged. <laughs> they, they are with somebody else right now. And, and sure, they're, they're having struggles because she detaches themselves herself in, in arguments and she's going out to cause fights. But that's, that's not like, oh, cool. You know what? I'll take that on, you know, like right. that's not, that's, that's not the relationship I want for you. So I know I'm coming off as like very blunt, um, but I'm like trying to talk to my, myself <laughs> and I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to talk to you in a way that makes you reconnect to the person who said, I'm not going to be with somebody who disrespects me. I'm not going to be with somebody who hurts me. Those are very reasonable and empowering goals for yourself. Mm. And just because it worked once with this person, just because you felt those good feelings again, doesn't necessarily mean that's fertile, fertile ground for you anymore. For sure. And I'm sorry. One more thing, Sam. Sorry. I no, just, <laughs> you just, just answered the whole letter yourself. I'll sit over here. <laughs> I just realized like you wouldn't be going... The, the whole issue here is social media. <laughs> this all comes down to fucking Instagram's fault. Wow, you're because, really, you're playing the Sam role in this letter. I love it. Yes. <laughs> um, get your affirmation ready, bitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just sitting here imagining like what healing linear journey you would be going on if you didn't have access to the fact that she was looking at your Instagram, you know? For sure. Like, For sure. If we didn't know our exes were lurking, like if the ex lurks in the forest and no one hears it, <laughs> mm -hmm. did they really lurk? You know? Yep. I'm a writer. <laughs>
it's really good. It was really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just to like follow up on some of the things that Sierra has been talking about too, right? Like, I think, I think it's important to recognize that the behavior that she's exhibiting with this ex, I don't think is an indication that she is wrong. Like their relationship is wrong. It seems like these are just patterns of behavior that she tends to do whenever she's in relationship with someone, Mm. right? Like reminder, she cheated on you with her ex, (laughs) right? Mm, mm, Like mm, this is, mm. this, this is, seems to be a pattern with, with her that she gets into a relationship that is, um, that is like long-term that is, uh, that seems to be sort of uh, committed and then find ways to, finds ways to act out in that relationship by going back to people in her past, right? And so I want to just say that like this thing that she's talking to you about, these behaviors that she's talking to you about around emotionally disengaging from arguments, around acting out emotionally when she is upset, right? Those are not necessarily um, endemic to that relationship. It sounds like a pattern of behavior mm. that exists in all of her relationships that I know about thus far. <laughs> right. So I think mm-hmm. it's important to recognize that because I, again, it's like, yes, you can do work to heal. You can do work to name your patterns of behavior, but if you're not doing anything to change those patterns of behavior, then you are not working towards healing, right? You have done the first step but it is not the most important step. And in fact, mm. is a step that's in a lot of way kind of useless because you're still enacting the hurt on yourself and other people, right? So great that she has done this work to name some of these patterns and say, I'm acting out because even even though I don't want to, but the, the work isn't to act out and then say, cool, that's where it's coming from. The work is to, to find a way to stop acting out in this way, right? To find other ways of expressing our discomfort with our relationship or with the the way that things are going. So she, again, like you've had one conversation with this person and you've had three plus years of experience with the behavior that they exhibit when they're in relationship with other people. And I want you to like right size mm. those experiences, right? Mm-hmm. A one evening of conversation is really fucking easy to do. It is really fucking easy to reconnect with somebody and to present yourself as being really healed. It's much more difficult to do that in a long-term three-year relationship. And so I want you to like, look at those things. This is why I like tell people to not do the closure conversation because like, it's really easy to manipulate ourselves and others into like, want to liking us again. It's like very easy to do that. And so And I mean, even look at the pattern of behavior that you are exhibiting with this person too, right? Like you heard that they were having a hard time. And so you decided it was your job to reach out and fix that for them, right? Which seems to be also a pattern that was happening in your relationship. So it's just like, I don't want you to see this as like some sort of rebirth of a relationship that is going to like somehow be helpful for you. I want you to see it as an extension of that unhealthy relationship that, that, started six years ago, right? I want you to see all of this as connected to each other and not as something that is like a new story because it's all connected. These patterns of behavior, at least the way that I'm looking at them, are the same as they were three years ago. They're, They're just feeling different because you've had enough space to forget how challenging 
and explosive this relationship was, right? You've had the chance to look back and say, I wasn't super healthy in this relationship too. But then the response shouldn't be cool. Now I need to go back and try and do it again in a healthier way. The response should be this relationship made me behave in ways that were not in alignment with my values. So I don't need to go back to that place. That's not a safe place for me to be in relationship. Right. I need to find something that's going to be more nutritious for me, someplace where I'm going to not feel like I need to act out because the person that I'm working with here is also acting out. And all we're doing is just acting out what against each other. Right. I want you to find a relationship with somebody who's going to be able to have these difficult conversations with you, not three years after the fact, but while they're happening. Right in partnership with you to figure out how you want to move forward. And I know that I'm being like a real dick (laughs) like in this letter. I just, it's because I know that you've been doing work for yourself and I know what it feels like to fall back into traps with people who you think have somehow changed or have like somehow changed their behavior and then realize, oh no shit, this was just a different iteration of that same that same toxicity. And I want you to say, like, I want to say like this, I don't think anything about this person or this old relationship has anything for you in it. I don't think that it's there. I think it's really tempting. I think it looks like it really could be something because like so much of it probably felt a lot, right? It felt like something big, but I want you to find something that feels good the majority of the time, (laughs) right? That feels good, not just three years after the fact, but that feels good in real time. And that feels like it's serving and supporting you rather than this like illusion of what could have been had you been different people in a relationship. Yes. And I want to say that it is absolutely natural to still love your ex. I know that Mm -hmm. Sam and I have railed against this. And we've made jokes about it and we've said black, 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 you know, and everything, which you should do. Absolutely. But um, it's totally natural to love an ex and to feel these pangs of, oh, my God, do I need to act on these feelings or am I going to feel them like is it going to be this hard or painful for the rest of my life? Am I always going to think about the what ifs? Well, maybe that is life, right? Life is thinking life about the what is, ifs, for sure. <laughs> life is paths, multiple paths diverging from one to another. And we'll never know what the other path felt like. We're never going to know what it's like to fully to fully be loved perfectly by the person who loved us poorly, you know. But I think it's important to recognize that the feelings of love that you're feeling when you are imagining fulfilling this love in the way you wished it would have out- played out, it's it's a love of nostalgia and a love of anti-acceptance. It's a love of imagination, of fantasy. And I don't mean fantasy in a, in a bad way, but like it is our brains do that. Our brains often go to places that feel better than the present discomfort of reality. Right. Yep. And so I want you to know that you are totally normal for feeling this way. You're totally normally for having this like boomerang revelation that this whole time you've still loved them. But have you still loved (laughs) them this whole time? You know, like, is that the same love or is this the love that has been growing? Is this a love of admiration and hope? You know, like, Mm -hmm. I guess... What I want to just say is that there's all different ways to carry love for someone in your heart. And they and many of those loves don't mean 
that you should get together. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's okay for you to love your ex. It's okay for you to say like, wow, I love that they've changed. Even their new look is beautiful. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling all these feelings of longing and desire and admiration. And also they're engaged. And also we had a really explosive, you know, relationship the first three years that we tried it. And I know that even though I have these feelings of intensity for them, I'm going to respect their current lived experience. The Mm -hmm. fact that they have chosen, they've chosen to get engaged and promise to get married to another person. And I'm also going to just trust that I don't need to create some sort of grand grand action or expression to reroute my life path. I'm already on it. And there's something out there that's better and more intuitive for me. There's a love out there that won't make me work so hard or explode so big, you know, um, relationships are work, right? Relationships do take a certain amount of healing and reflection and time and growth, obviously. Mm -hmm. And also it's, a quote unquote failed relationship isn't something we have to go back and fix. I yes. think that instinct yep. is so intuitive. It makes so much sense that our hearts would say, damn, I fucked up. They fucked up. We had love. The love was real. I know the love is real. It's real right now. Yep. And also it's not the same thing as a relationship in which you grow to love each other because it is healthy. It's sustainable. It's loving. For sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, Sam brought up like, go to go. There's a place for you that's much more nutritious and safe instead of going back. And I want you to think about it like a city that you have visited. Like the, the vacation was good. The city was awesome. The food was delicious. There were some bad parts of it, but like, you don't have to go back there to relive it. You don't have to go back to the city Mm -hmm. to think about all the good times that you had there. Um, There are new adventures out there. There are new people, new avenues to explore yourself and this thing called love. Um, Then returning to the the definition as you know it to be now. All right, Estranged Soulmate. Thank you for writing. Um, I am sure that there are going to be lots of people who relate deeply to this letter. Um, and that have experienced similar things. I know that um, even now, just thinking about my own relationships as well, like thinking about those people who I still have those fond feelings for and have had to make the decision to like not see them because I know that there's like no, there's no safe space for me there. So um, this is hard. And the reason why Sierra and I are being so direct is because we ascribed to the idea of radical honesty, right? Let's name the things so that we can make good decisions knowing those things to be true. Um, And we hope that that is helpful for you. Um, But I hope what you don't hear in our conversation is that you're doing anything bad or wrong, that you are um, not a good person. Um, We know that this is really, really challenging. We know that this experience is a lot. It's a brings up a lot. It brings up a lot of feelings. So we are in it with you and um, we love you very much. And we hope that you find something in this response that's going to help you figure out how you want to move forward in a way that's going to be loving and nutritious for you. Absolutely. We love you so much and we hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing.
All right, that brings us to the blind date segment of this episode. Every show, we like to shout out something that we love that we want to set you up with. And this week, we are sending you home with... A show called Queer for Fear. Um, It is on... (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what the show is about, but my brain just went like a hundred different places, including like a reality TV show in which you have to eat cockroaches, but you're gay. Yeah, no, that's not it. Um, It's a um, documentary series uh, where they sort of look back at horror films from across Ah, the sort of ages, and they interview queer people about sort of the watching these movies through like a queer lens. Um, and it's been super interesting. Um, Does because Peter love it? Peter loves it. Peter is what is why we're watching this. Um, for folks who don't know, my spouse Peter loves, 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 loves horror films. <laughs> it is like uh, a big piece of his personality that he loves horror films um, and has yeah. 27 graphic tees of different horror films and also has an entire collection of horror film soundtrack records. So uh, he um, has been having us watch this and it's been really interesting. There are some some films where I was like, yep, absolutely. I saw the, I see queer undertones in this uh, and some of them that I haven't even thought about, right? Um, like for example, talking about um, Frankenstein as being like an allegory for trans transitions, mm. right? Like the idea of like, uh, this feeling of like we are sort of a medical oddity, like we are somehow mm. disfigured, people are afraid of us, right? Like this sort of underlying sort of queer and trans fear around that kind of stuff. And it's just been really interesting. I love seeing like people I recognize in it, right? The woman who wrote the um the in the dream house um mm-hmm, is one mm-hmm. of the people that they interview. There's also like some drag queens from RuPaul's drag race that are being interviewed. Benda LaCreme is dressed as like a, as a werewolf in in like full werewolf drag. It's just very cute. It's very interesting. It is so right up my alley because it's like queer discourse on like pop culture, which is like exactly everything I love. It is unfortunately on a streaming service called shutter, which is like only horror focused Mm, stuff. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I would say, um, get the seven day free trial, watch the show. Um, and if you're into horror films, there's like a ton of them on there. So Peter also is very much enjoying the fact that we now have this thing called Shudder, which I have never heard of until he downloaded it. But uh, <laughs> check it out. It's super fun. Very watchable. Very enjoyable. It's called Queer for Fear, and it is available on Shudder. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Just Break Up Pod. Also, YouTube. We are, we're on there, yep. too. Yep. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to follow, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review, and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. We also have annual subscriptions. We have subscriptions at higher levels with different perks, including access to our office hours, which is Mm -hmm. a Zoom conversation with me and Sierra once a month where we just sort of shoot the shit and answer people's questions as they come up. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. 
Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music recording, producing all magical things by a good friend, Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his newest podcast, Dang That's Weird. You can find it anywhere where you're listening to podcasts. And remember, having complicated feelings about an ex is normal. Having loving feelings about your ex is okay. The fact that you're having these feelings is often not a reflection about your ex, but instead a reflection of the fact that you can still feel and love and give so fully. It proves that, the, that you're human, that you're capable of being in relationship with another person who might make that love feel a little bit more nutritious than your ex. And if all else fails, just break up.